4, 1 through 3. Everybody say this. It's time to change. It's time to change. Some of us have been procrastinating way too long. I'll change tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. You never see it because when you get there, it's still today. It's never, ever, ever convenient to change. And so we're going to talk about it's time to change. So many people say, Pastor, I'm trying to make these changes in my life. I don't know how to do it. I'm going to give you some principles. Um, if we don't honor the principles of the kingdom and we don't value the principles of the kingdom, well, often I see people that typically try to change by moving. or And I'm not saying anybody who's moved is wrong. But I see people try to make changes in their life by switching up territories rather than just honoring principles. What am I saying? You have everything you need to change right where you are. You don't have to move to see the change. And, 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 and that, that's something that so many people miss because they say, well, new faces, that's actually, you may go see new faces, but it's still same spirits. Doesn't matter where you go, you'll find home anywhere. Because you always attract who you are. They're attracted to you. Um, I'll never forget my father when he decided to quit drinking. He comes to Flint. I was living in Flint the same at the time. He moved in with me for about a year. He was doing good, uh, especially because he was living with me at the time, and I didn't allow any of that in my house. And um, it's easy to change in a controlled environment, but it's only in freedom you can really see how much you've grown. Well, my dad comes to me and said, well, son, I've, I'm, I'm doing better now. I think I'm going to um, get my own house and stuff like that. And I said, Dad, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's time. He said, well... You know, I wasn't asking for permission. He's dead after all. And he goes out and gets it. And about a month later, I come out to his house, and I see my dad running around this this broken-down home, done shaved his head bald. He's got a knife trying to stab some dude uh, in a wild, drunken fit because he thought the guy tried to, to rob him. And all I seen when I pulled up there was the exact same thing God had delivered him from from a different city. He found the same spirit in a new territory. And it's one of them things to where I've realized that the enemy, the enemy knows how to trap us. And there's certain things that he uses to do that. And so I want to talk about changing tonight and I want you to really lock in because I believe this is something that is going to be beneficial. So Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Everybody say, it's time to change. <laughs> As a matter of fact, say, it's been time to change. All right. Look here. So watch here. We're going to read here. Then Jesus was led up by the what? The Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil, which means the enemy had a purpose in the plan of God. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. I'm going to read again because there's a lot here. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. 
This is so important because this message is either going to free you or frustrate you. And there's no middle ground here. You need to understand first that all change starts in the wilderness. You're asking God to do a thing in your life. God, I want to see your will in my life. I want future that looks different. I want promises to come to pass. I want things to be fulfilled. I want happiness. I want peace. I want joy. Some of you ladies, I want a husband. Some of you fellas, I want a wife. Whatever it is that you are looking for in your future, you need to understand to get there God's way, you're going to have to confront a wilderness, which is the wild side of you. That's what a wilderness is. What is the difference between the wild and a garden? Garden is growth stewarded. If you go to a forest, you don't see trees lined up like you would in a garden. Why? Because they was not planted with a purpose. They're wild. And because, and all that means is it's growth that is not managed. See, and I need you to get this. There's a lot of significance to this. Not all growth is good. God wants you to learn to steward growth. God wants you to understand, I've got things for you. I'm trying to grow in your life, but it cannot be wild or it will work against my intentions for you. You have to confront the wild side. I, I see these shirts all the time, half hood, half holy. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. If you got this shirt, you need to burn it. But it's just dumb. It's like, no, no, what you're really saying is, I'm not really going to surrender all the way. Right. What you need to get the follow shirt, talk about, uh, you know, something that says, uh, uh, I'm only walking in half purpose. It just sounds stupid. It's something you think is cute. It's, it's, it's crazy. You're sitting under terrible teaching. You, you should want to seek the things of God fully. God's not interested in the side of you that is unrenewed. I wish I wasn't raised with a parent that was half hood, half holy. I wouldn't have went through the trauma that I went through as a kid. It would have been better to be raised in a, in a, with an upbringing that both parents knew God fully. Come on, somebody. It would have saved me on all kinds of anger and all kinds of stuff that I did in my youth. And relationships that I that I that I, I did right and that I burned and and all of the fear and all of the stuff that I'd have to go to sleep with every night because I was seeing the other side that was unholy. And I'm not talking about, you know, everybody has issues, but I'm talking about the issues you give permission to. You need to burn that shirt. Amen keeping it real i know what they mean you know the ultimate purpose of christ you know what the number one message of christ was whether and i and i love talking with people who who struggle with the existence of christ i've often talked to people jesus didn't exist you just you're not scholarly there's not a historian in the world that would deny the existence of jesus that's legit and notable he absolutely walked the earth and what makes him divine isn't just his resurrection, isn't just the miracles. There was something so divine about a first century Jew that was under the tyranny of Rome that was teaching things like forgive your enemies. 
If I raise my kids to hate your kids, the war never ends. Somebody at some point to change it has to lay their life down. If they don't, it never ends. Jesus said, if you live by it, you'll die by it. His teachings were divine. It may seem simple to us, like as, as, as much love as we give Martin Luther King, he was just regurgitating Christ. It was just that the teachings of, of the Messiah, love each other, forgive each other, turn your cheek, do good to those who despitefully use you. And it's not just him teaching it, guys. He had that. He had the influence to to have an army to fight back and still didn't do it. He had every resource available to flip this thing out of its head. And didn't do it because he understood the only way to fix this thing that we are seeing in this world, in this human, deluded version of, of, of what we're seeing, is to teach real agape love. Loving your brothers, loving your sisters. Paul said to the Corinthians, I'm coming to test the sincerity of your love. You're telling me you love them. I'm going to test that thing out when I get there to see how you prefer your brothers over yourself. If life is still all about you and your best life, you ain't got the gospel yet. It's about what can I do to serve the purpose of God and the intentions of God in your life. I had a guy say to me one time, he said, man, you know, because, you know, Pastor Gale, I'm, I, I get into all of these arguments. I get tagged by all these people. This guy said to me, he said, but when we get to heaven, the white man going to be serving the black man. I said, why wait? What do you need? Let's do it now. What do you need? <laughs> My, the, the, the scripture I serve is uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's get busy. What do you want? What do you need? How can I serve you? Oh, man, it was... Because they have not encountered the gospel. Jesus said, Peter, unless you let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. The gospel don't work if it's self-centered. Man. The first thing that's got to die... You want to change is you're going to have to confront the wild side of you. The side of you that has just grown without any stewarding, any, any type of structure, any type of accountability. It's just grown. You are, some of us are simply the byproduct of everything we've gone through. And we've not intentionally examined our hearts, examined our life and say, man, hold up. I don't want to be that person. How do I change? You're going to have to confront the wild side. It was the spirit that led Jesus in the wilderness. It wasn't just because you're not there, you're not in a tough season just because you're a bad person. The spirit's leading you there to confront some issues that have to die. They have to die. There's nothing to be proud about in those things when everything... Uh, that's connected to our wild side is bringing destruction in every part of our life. You know, people often say things, I'm just going to do me. Forget everybody else. That's why you're lonely and miserable. You've created an island to yourself. It's why you can't find love. It's why, it's why you act the way you act. It's why you feel the way you act. Why? Because you have a trust issue. You don't understand that God loves you enough to bring people in your life that will actually serve the purpose of God for you. You have trust issues because you got hurt by one or two or three people. Now you think everybody's out to get you. 
That's, the, that's how the enemy deceives you. We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. This okay tonight? I love you. You know that. Everybody say all change starts in the wilderness. Now notice something here in verse 2. Watch this, Pastor Tim. He says, and after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, who, who led him on that fast? The spirit, right? Obviously, he became hungry. Now, y'all heard my fasting story last week. A week before, listen, I suck at fasting. I'm trying, y'all, but, I, man, I get hungry after, as soon as I say fast. <laughs> listen, I suck at it. I, I, ain't, I ain't ever done it successful. I'll be the one pastor that would tell you, you know, I'm, t- I'm, I'm, I'm oh, woo. Something about them jet's wings, as soon as you say fast, it's like, Look at verse 3 here. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God. Now, you've got to remember, if we go back one chapter, I'm not going to go there. But Jesus just got baptized, right? The father said from voice from heaven, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What did he call him? What did he call him? Son. This is the exact thing that the enemy's tempting him with. The enemy's coming against what the father declared over his life. It's not because the enemy doesn't know. I need you to get this. <laughs> he says here, the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son, command these stones to become bread. Now, this is what's crazy. God positioned him to go into a wilderness, and he did it through hunger. He said, listen, you're going to go here, and I want you to get hungry. Because the real you comes out when you're hungry. I need you to get this, but notice this. I, this is this. Ooh, I love this. The enemy also comes in at the point of hunger. So what the enemy's using to tempt him, God's using to train him. Did you get this? They're both using hunger to decide what happens next. How do you confront your wild side? You don't do it when you're full. You do it when you're empty. That's when the wilderness, you start stepping into the wild side of who you are. It's only when you're hungry, when you're in a moment of starvation to where, man, because, listen, often our future is the result of how we choose to satisfy our hunger. Good preaching, Pastor. Your tomorrow is often, it's often shaped by how you chose to satisfy your hunger the day before. I'm not talking about spiritual food here. I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about your appetite determines a lot in your life. Get hungry. It's a natural state of being for a human being. But we got to make sure we understand where hunger and appetite come from. From the stomach. However, appetite. Anybody in here uh, ever, who hasn't had sushi? Raise your hand. You've never had sushi in your life. Cynthia, Teal, you've never had sushi? Have you ever woke up craving it? Why, though? You have no experience with it. So she's never going to get an appetite to say, I want sushi. Until she... No memory with sushi. She's never, you don't crave something you've experienced. I'm teaching good tonight. 
You do not crave something you do not experience. Appetite comes from the mind, not the stomach. God, before he can do a change in your life, he's got to start with your appetite. The only way to do that is get you in the wilderness hungry. Because it's there he can teach you how to satisfy things from his intentions. If you will learn to taste and see from his world, your future will look different. You can pray for change. I can lay hands on you. We can go down here and do all the circus stuff that we do in church that don't make no type of sense. Oh, Lord, I've seen some stuff, whether it's spitting on somebody or whether it's, you know, kicking somebody or, you know, waving with superpowers. Whatever they're doing, it's just a bunch of nonsense. None of that works. I seen a preacher the other day get mad because he was laying hand on the lady and she didn't fall down. And that joker got up and said, don't come to my prayer line if you're going to sit there and resist God. She ain't resisting God. Quit pushing her. Joker, I'm not taking a courtesy fall to make you feel good. What kind of mess is that? <laughs> Part of the assignment on my life is bring back a genuineness to the body of Christ. Because we're doing some circus stuff in here. No wonder people don't want nothing to do with church. We might as well have clown suits on. Some of the stuff we're saying, you got to give God to the Isaiah 58 seed. What? No, he didn't. I didn't say that. Paul said, give according to what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to give. You ever see a church have a hundred dollar line, a thousand dollar line? You better run right out the back. Come to my church. We only do ten dollar lines and five. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Look, some of y'all are like, where that line at? <laughs> Bringing back the genuineness. So watch this. What Satan used to tempt Jesus was the same thing God used to train him. Very important. Put that down if you're taking notes. What Satan used to tempt him was the exact same thing God was using to train him. You may be rebuking your weaknesses in your life right now, but it's training ground to grow you up. Come on, somebody. God, I'm tired of dealing with this mindset. I'm tired of the carnal man trying to take over. Listen, when it takes over, start responding different. Don't rebuke the temptation. Grow through it. Grow through it. Paul tried to get religious and get himself holy. He said, I, I fasted and prayed, and I asked God, take this stone out of my flesh. God responds, said, yeah, man, we're going to leave it there. Why? Because my grace is sufficient there. I got you covered. I'm going to use it to teach you some humility. God don't want you to be perfect in your own strength because then you get religious. You start looking down on people. Well, I don't struggle with that. We love, to, we love to cast judgment on sins we don't struggle with. Point fingers at people. They struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. Yeah, but let God take the covers off you. Quit judging people. If you do judge them, make it a righteous judgment. And be willing to die with them so we can get some identity there. God never calls us to point fingers and then run from people. If you do see an issue, he wants you to cling to them. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think the church is ready for the real gospel. It's personal, man. That's why I love Jesus.
Jesus had not done any ministry yet, guys. He ain't healed the sick, raised the dead, walked on water. He ain't done any type of thing in this passage. Now, this is really, 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 really big. I put this down. Real change always begins at how we steward hunger. Okay? Jesus did not do any ministry yet. And this is major. Why? Because public ministry is the result of private victory. God, before he gives you what you are looking to walk out in your public life, I want a ministry, I want to preach, I want to teach, I want to sing, I want to do this, I want to do that, or whatever. You're going to have to go through the wild side. Because real promotion comes from God, and you cannot skip that school. You cannot bypass those necessary seasons to grow you up. We want to get there quick. God wants us to get there ready. Huh? We want to get there quick. God wants us to get there ready. You talking about, man, I'm just doing everything again. I just want to get there real fast. No, 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 no. Don't think fast. Don't think fast. Think accurate. God wants you to be ready. You can do more. Jesus was perfect. Perfect, y'all, was processed for 30 years and only gave the world three years of ministry and changed it. Which means 90% of his life was processed. (laughs) We want our whole life to just be right right, right in the spotlight. No, 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 no. Most of your time with the Spirit is about God getting you ready for the limited amount of time he's going to pour out, pour you out as a vessel. Woo! Man. Everybody say, process me. The other option is just die without being fulfilled. You know, the other option, you don't have to receive anything I'm saying. Just stay miserable. mad stay angry stay ignorant you know what's on the other side if you don't do nothing you know what that life looks like you're living it you want something different you're gonna have to embrace the wild side this is good god is obsessed with preparation God is obsessed with preparing us being prepared. He's obsessed with it. It is a non-negotiable. I don't care how much purpose you have on your life. If you don't have seasons that are designed for preparing you. None of that stuff comes to pass. None of it. Purpose isn't enough. Opportunities do not schedule appointments. Opportunities do not schedule appointments. 
The only way to make sure an opportunity is everything it's supposed to be is to make sure you are doing work. I know, isn't it? I ain't supposed to say that, am I? <laughs> y'all don't remember Apostle Tony from the UK. Some of y'all don't. He's like a spiritual father. He's not from American church. And so when he got over here, he's not used to people talking back to him when he's preaching, you know. He's a guy from the UK, white guy. And he says, so he came over and he preached. And uh, someone said, he was preaching good. He, someone said, come on. He said, I'm coming. And then, you know, he always do this, come on, come on. It's awkward for a moment because you're trying to figure out what he means. You know, it's weird, but then you realize what he's doing. I love that man. He's the only guy I've ever seen do an altar call. Somebody come up to pray for healing. God said, no, go sit down. You're not ready. You're not up here in faith. (laughs) I asked him in the car on the way home. I said, why, what? He said, well, because people come to the altar desperate. But healing requires faith, not desperation. I said, well, that's why you're dead. <laughs> Love that guy. He's not Americanized. Then my wife gave him a mint. He says, oh, it goes to all the right places. You know, he's just different. Remember, the <laughs> we was dying in the car. I said, I love this guy. Yeah. But he's real. So everybody say preparation. It is imperative that you understand God is so much obsessed with preparation. Why? Because it says that you're ready for a different tomorrow. You can wish for a better tomorrow, but prep work. Listen, if you learn to sweat in the gym, you won't bleed in the battle. Prep work. It's okay. Prep work is proof that you're ready for something different. And the thing about it is you never know when the opportunity is going to come. Again, it doesn't schedule appointments. It's not telling you Monday is the day that the best thing in your life is going to be available. If you're not ready for it, it's only going to serve as something on the calendar that this was the biggest regret of my life. The biggest regrets are opportunities that come that we're not ready to truly experience because we've not prepped. Why do people not like prepping the prep work? Because it's typically the season where nobody else sees the work but you and him. And when you're insecure, insecure people only want to work with cameras on them. Insecurity is working because they're trying to prove to themselves that they are worthy, that they are somebody. God always likes to silence all that stuff so he can get to the root of why you feel that way. Because if you, listen, he can't give you the ministry he wants you to have if you're only preaching for amens because you're insecure. You're not valuable to the kingdom if you need people's approval before you start stepping into something. God needs people that can stand in the pulpit and preach and then go clean the toilets in the dark. That's a real leader. Real leaders don't always stand before people. Sometimes we stand behind them. And we get up under people and we push them up. Man, you're teaching good. Whoo. 
So, come on now. Let's go to John 6 real quick. Just give me five minutes here. Don't go to the keys yet, but just John 6, 1 through 10. Watch this. Everybody say prep work. Watch this. Jesus, this is where he feeds the 5,000 here. After these things, go ahead and read for me, Pastor Tim. I appreciate it. Your mic right. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. Yeah. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which, was, which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd. Let's just stop real quick. I wasn't going to teach this, but the Bible say Passover. You know where we get that in the Jewish history, right? Exodus. Remember the children of Israel? The first Passover was what? They took the lamb. They killed the lamb. They took the blood. And they, they would hide themselves in the house. And they, now the, the, the doors was wooden. That's the, how the doors was um, made. And they would take the blood and they'd put it like this. It was a form of a cross. And they put the blood of the lamb on the door. And then the death angel would come looking for judgment. Because his job was to kill the firstborn. Right? But if he went past the house that had the blood on the door, the death angel passed it. Why though? Because the blood signified that death has already occurred. Let's see for a second. It said to the death angel, I don't have work to do here because judgments already came to this house. I see blood. Why is coming to Christ so important? Because when you accept him, you are coming under the protection of a sacrifice that was already given for us and as us. That's why I tell you, God is not punishing you in the new. When you stuff, all stuff's going crazy, it's not punishment, it's pruning. I often tell people, if God is still punishing people, he needs to apologize to Jesus. Because Jesus thought he took it all. And so it's, it's a major. But here's the other side of it, Tim, that they miss in Exodus. The command wasn't just to put the blood on the door. Because, sure, they avoided punishment and judgment, right? The other command was to cook the lamb, the rest of the lamb, and cook it well done and then eat it. This is why we're not growing spiritually because all we're doing is celebrating that we are not being judged. There's work to do on the inside, though. <laughs> you got to digest the whole lamb. That's the problem. It's not just about I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. It's now it's time to grow and I got to digest well done. Why was it well done? Because I had to represent a completely finished work. This is why it's important to be a part of a grace church, new covenant church, because you need to be digesting finished work only. Why? Because if not, you're going to miss legalism with grace and it does not work that way. Come on. If you try to put new wine in an old wineskin, it bursts. But you got to You need new, new wineskin first. That happens under grace. Woo! Come on now. Everybody say digest the rest. Amen, somebody. Finished work. See, it's always been about, most of our change is about God adjusting our appetite. If he can set the table, you're going to grow the right way. My God, the, one of the miracles in this, go ahead and read, Pastor Tim. I'm getting excited now. Then therefore, therefore Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? 
This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to So you've got to pay attention to your answers. <laughs> Jesus will ask you a thing, not because he needs information. He's trying to reveal your heart to you. The way you answer things says a lot about you. Sometimes when you're hurt, the only voice you trust is yours, so he'll start with questions. When we're hurt, the only person we trust is us. So he'll ask us a question so that everything comes with our tone, with our voice. And through that framework, he'll begin to teach us and begin to dissolve the offenses so we actually recognize somebody else's voice. It's deep. 200. Watch this. The bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. We're not talking about, the scripture says 5,000, but you've got to remember in the Hebrew world, they didn't count men, uh, women and children. So you're looking at about 15,000 people that Jesus has attracted. And he's been teaching them to the point of it's getting dark and they're hungry. That's what I love about Jesus. When you really become a student of him, he always leaves you. At a place of hunger. Why though? Because he wants to satisfy it. Because part of the biggest change that you will ever experience in your life is when you allow him to change your appetite. Watch here. Look here. One of the disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother. He says, there's a lad here. Watch this. There's five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these? For so many people, in other words, this young boy has something to eat. Now, I want you to, everybody say, God. God. Come on, say, God. God. Loves, loves preparation. preparation. Notice that he chose to do the miracle through the one person that didn't need it. He's the only one that showed up with fish and something to eat. He's the only one that was prepared. And God chose to use him to multiply because God multiplies what we prepare. Why is your vision not working? Because you're not preparing. You're only using your gift. Your gift is not enough to establish things the way God wants. You need to prepare. Preparation is what God multiplies, not your gift. That's probably the most profound thing of all night. He chooses to use the meal of this boy. The only one that did not need something to eat because he came ready. Everybody else was hungry. He over there like, man, this is about to be good. And you know how to eat in front of people, y'all. Come on now. You ain't ever smacked that loud by yourself, but you smack it real hard. You're like... Jesus gets the meal and he multiplies it. What he multiplied was a season of preparation. The boy must have been following Jesus. Why? Because, number one, he knew to bring something to eat. Number two, with 15,000 people, I'm sure they didn't go. 
walking around like, you got something to eat? You got something to eat? You got something to eat? I'm sure the boy was close. Why was he close? Because he's probably been through this with Christ before. He knew to bring something to eat because this teaching is not going to be just an hour. <laughs> Y'all thinking, well, next week I'm bringing wings here. <laughs> he was close. The other thing is Jesus can always multiply from people who stay close. A lot of the things we're looking for God to do, we need to check the distance that we're standing at. Because a lot of the things you're looking for require a closeness with him. And it's good stuff. Man. Here's the other miracle here, and I'm closing with this. The thing I love most about this, and, and Pastor Candace grabbed this, because you know, I love this type of stuff, because I could put her on assignment next week, and she's going to take this thing 15 steps deeper. She's one of my favorite teachers, by the way. Um, but the thing I love about this, the miracle is not just feeding that many people. The miracle is getting them all on the same diet. Y'all catching that? He positioned, he taught long enough to create hunger, but was willing to satisfy it from the same meal. But as I just say, we need to be eating a steady diet of finished work. Jesus took one meal and multiplied it. If you'll learn to let him set the table in your life. When you're feeling hungry, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling like I want to lean to this old man, this is how I fix it. when I start feeling this way. Notice that you know that you're in the wild side and this is going to be the spot for changes at all. Right when you get hungry, right when you're thirsty, right when you're anxious, right when you're ready to step out and do what that old man wants to do. Know that God will satisfy that itch a different way if you'll let him set the table. When you want to call that joker that you know is no good. No, 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 God set the table. <laughs> Drive through that dead spot that you know that never, ever picks up. Like, go make sure that you don't go to the old ways of trying to satisfy that itch. Let God change it. God, I'm on a man. I'm on a man. So you know what? I'm going to do this, 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 this. Why? You've been doing that for years. It still ain't worked. You're looking for a man. God's trying to give you a husband. Husbands are attracted to different things. Husbands are ready for marriage. Husband, you're looking for a wife. They're attracted to different things. Come on, somebody. Let God set the plate. Let God, I love that he, get, everybody ate the same meal. Because if he can get us all eating the same meal, all of our future changes. Man, that's a good word tonight. Man, I, I got to go to Daniel. I'm sorry. I hope we love the word. Go to Daniel. Give me two minutes. And that's my last closing. I promise. It's not a lie until I do it three times. <laughs> Daniel, look at this. Y'all remember Daniel when, when they got, so, man, the Hebrews was, these jokers was always in captivity. Look here. 
First three, go ahead and read, Pastor Tim, because it's got all these words that only you can read real good. And then if you mess up, I can blame it on you, and I still look smart. Go then ahead. the king ordered Ashpenaz, the what chief. What was that? He Ashpenaz. Oh, you, you sure that ain't Ash? Yep. All right, you got it. Go ahead. The chief of his officials to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles. Okay. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of In other words, they have conquered the Hebrew people, right? Babylon has conquered the Hebrew people. And now the king is looking. Now watch this, guys. There's a lot of meat in this. Now the king's looking for ambassadors, so to speak, from these conquered people. Not only are they in slavery, but he was now wanting... For them to learn Babylonian culture. Because if you're going to conquer, it's not about having slaves. It's about indoctrinating people. Because if you can indoctrinate somebody with a principle, you've got them for life. That's why it's much easier to deliver people from sin than it is religion. Because they're indoctrinated with it. So he finds these Hebrew guys. They, they, they're smart. They got wit. They're intelligent. But watch what happens. Now watch. Endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he. Watch this. Ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Mm-hmm. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food. Choice from- foods. In other words. They're in slavery now. They don't sound like slavery because the king's throwing all these terminology out there, but trust me, they're in slavery. And watch what happens. What's the first thing he's trying to change? Their diet. Because if I can change your diet, I can change your future. Look, he said, <laughs> choice foods from wine, you drink, and a point. Go ahead, Pastor Tim. And appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Watch this. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Better read. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now watch this, verse 9, here we go. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Right here. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in, the, in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. Here's, what I, here's the beauty of it. How many have read Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
How many have heard that thing preached up and down, sideways, backwards, frontwards, right? They, def- they defied the king, didn't they? How many of Daniel and the lion's den? All of the exploits that we read came from them keeping a diet set by God. How did they defy the Babylonian mindset? (laughs) By what they ate. Why are we struggling in our life? What are you digesting from the moment you get up? Why does these thoughts, all these carnal thoughts keep coming to me? What I mean, God, leave Some of us get up the first thing, you're on a TikTok. It's designed to make you carnal. You should be getting up in prayer. Not social media. Check in with the spirit. This world is designed to come to the things of God. There's things some of us are entertaining that are literally tools of destruction. Like, man, they so stupid. They just keep touching this thing. Ha, 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 ha. He's got you right where he wants you. And you're thinking you're satisfying something. And you are forfeiting your purpose and your authentic self. You're going to look up and not even recognize who you are anymore. Who is this man that I see in the mirror? Who is this woman I see in the mirror? Because you keep letting the enemy set the table. You want to be like Daniel. You want to stand in the face of everything against you. Babylonian mindsets and captivity and all this stuff that's trying to, to, to get you to come away from your true self. you got to stay on the diet he's told you to stay on. Confront the wild side. Allow yourself to get hungry. In other words, starve the flesh from what it wants. And then get there and allow what the enemy's tempting you with to become a season of training. Woo! And watch your future change. If he can get to your diet, he can get to your destiny. Come on, stand with me.